We are in week four of a four-part series that we're calling Thanks. Uh, First week, Pastor Keith was talking during our communion service of all we have to be thankful for and what Christ did for us on our behalf, his death for us. In the second week, Pastor Eric talked about, if you remember, practiced remembering, how we can have almost rhythms of remembering all that God has done for us in the past, both his acts in Scripture, like the Exodus and like his his crucifixion, but also what he does in our day-to-day lives. And then last week, week three, Pastor Keith spoke again about living a life of thanksgiving, how we can kind of widen the scope of thanksgiving to every area of our life. In week four, this final week, I'm going to talk about sort of the shadow side of thanksgiving, the shadow side of gratitude. Namely, I want to talk about ingratitude. Okay, that's what we're going to be talking about. Entitling the sermon, No Thanks. And as I was thinking about ingratitude, I thought about an upcoming holiday. But it wasn't what you might think. It wasn't Thanksgiving this week. I began thinking about Christmas. Because each Christmas, there's something I say to my kids a lot. It's, hey, did you say thank you for that? Like, did you thank your Grammy and Papa? Did you thank your aunt and uncle for that gift? And most of the time, they're like, Dad, I said it. You just didn't see me saying thank you. But I'm obsessed with wanting to make sure they're saying thank you. And what parent hasn't, whether on a birthday or on Christmas, wanted their kid to, to say that? Or what parent hasn't muttered under their breath, you are so ungrateful at times? Why are we saying that? Why are we doing that? Well, because we don't want our kid to be this kid. You know, we don't want our kid to be impolite. We don't want our kids to have bad manners. And that's the biggest concern with ingratitude, that they would just be this impolite kid. That's what I'm concerned about as a father. But what we're going to see in the passage that Keith just read from is from our Father in Heaven's perspective, from God's perspective, ingratitude isn't just a problem because it's impolite. It's a problem because it's spiritually dangerous. It's the big idea I want to convey today and that this passage conveys. Ingratitude is spiritually dangerous. There's a few reasons for why I say that that we'll look at. But before I do, I want to give us a little bit of context on Luke chapter 17, the passage we're going to be walking through. Luke's book, his biography of Jesus, is called a gospel, the gospel of Luke. A gospel is just an account, a biographical account of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Okay, Luke was a co-laborer. a ministry partner of Paul's, but Luke was also, we know from Scripture, a doctor. And as such, scholars point out that in Luke's writings, he often points to Jesus as sort of a great physician, a physical healer, a spiritual healer. And we're going to see some of that healing in this passage in Luke 17. But in Luke chapter 17, what we're really looking at is, what are the characteristics of a follower of this great physician? What are the characteristics of a disciple of Jesus? And the characteristics that shines through in this passage is that of gratitude. But the way the passage goes about showing the importance of gratitude is really by showing mainly the danger of ingratitude. Okay? So there's three dangerous things. There's three reasons I would say ingratitude is dangerous. First, it can happen to any of us. No one is exempt. Second, it can happen when we're not even looking, not even paying attention. And then third, and most significantly, it can lead us away from Jesus. So first, it can happen to any of us. Let's look at the passage, 
verse 12, it says that these 10 lepers came to Jesus. They were standing at a distance. Leprosy was basically a skin disease, or a number of skin diseases under that heading, that could be infectious. So these people with leprosy had to stand at a distance from Jesus. They were barred from really being in proximity to people in their community and their family. So they had to stand at a distance. And that's why they're shouting out to Jesus, asking that he would heal them. Well, what you see in basically verse 14 is that Jesus did so. They were cleansed. But the shock of the passage comes in verse 15, when only one of them responded. Only one of them responded. What this passage seems to be saying is our default position as humans is that of ingratitude. Kind of this picture gets at what's going on here. Only one person, if you look at the numbers, 90% of the people are walking away, not even thinking about giving thanks to Jesus. Only one of them is actually returning to say thank you, to acknowledge what Jesus had done for him. Ingratitude is just our default position. And this isn't just something coming through in this text. It's actually something that modern-day research on gratitude is telling us. Robert Emmons is basically the world's leading expert on the psychology of gratitude. He does research on it. And this is what Emmons had to say about this issue of gratitude and ingratitude. He says, any discussion of gratitude has to reckon with the reality of ingratitude. If we fail to choose gratitude, by default, we choose ingratitude. Millions make this choice every day. So we need to make a conscious choice to be grateful. If we don't, the natural way we're going to be is ungrateful. Okay? Now you might say, well, isn't this mainly true for non-Christians? I mean, we Christians know all that God has done for us. Isn't it those people who are, for, who are ruining our country, those atheists, those secularists, who don't remember that this country is founded on godly principles, aren't those the people to blame? Aren't those the people who are ungrateful? Well, actually, when you look at this passage, it's saying that we are just as, if not more, ungrateful. Notice who these people are who are ungrateful. Go back with me to verse 13. They call Jesus master. They they hold him in high esteem. They say, have mercy on us. Or if your translation says, have pity on us. Maybe that meant they were asking Jesus to just help them out with some money. But probably they knew something about Jesus and his supernatural ability to heal people. And were coming to him and asking for that help. And then here's the kicker. And I love how Keith read this because it really pointed out what the passage is trying to do. Verse 16 at the end, the text goes out of its way way to say he was a Samaritan. And Jesus is shocked by this. He says in verse 17 now, we're not 10 cleansed, where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Why this shock? Because if only this one person responded, and Jesus is shocked that the foreigner responded, probably that meant that most, if not all, of the nine were Jews. Verse 11 shows that Jesus is traveling along the border of Galilee, where the Jews were, and Samaria, where the Samaritans were. So there's probably a mixed bag of people there. But Jews look down on Samaritans. 
Because Samaritans were seen as kind of Jewish half-breeds. They disobeyed God's law and married foreigners who were non-Jewish. And it seemed, were seen to be unfaithful. And that, therefore, this story is shocking because the people who were ungrateful, the people who show ingratitude, were God's people. So if we're going to point the finger at ingratitude, we have to start with ourselves. Start with myself. Because it's not just a problem out there. It's a problem in here, in our own churches, in our own church. I was thinking about this for myself this past week in a couple of different ways in the life of our church. You know, Keith mentioned, and we've had different communication with you guys about some financial challenges in the life of our church. And, you know, I was praying about this. Other people were praying about this. And then I heard about how the last two weeks, God has prompted people to be so generous in the life of our church and seen giving raise. And I didn't even think until I was playing the sermon to say, God, thank you. Like, I was praying about that. And then it happened, and it's just like, oh, it's nice. Good that people are being generous. I didn't think to say, God, thank you for doing what we were asking you to do. Thank you for all those times John Hawthorne's come up and told us, hey, we have some challenges in the life of our church. And so many times, I remember John used to say, like, I've stopped worrying because of how many times God's been faithful. Do I remember all those times? Or do I just forget? And thinking about the life of our church, even with people, we've prayed that God would bring people into the life of our church. And I was just, you know, seeing the numbers, we've had up to 10 families this recent year that were new to our church. We've had a number of people in our new members class. And I was just contemplating the fact that it wasn't that long ago that God brought the Rodriguez's to our church family. And they've served in so many ways. And Gisela is just leading that ministry in such a powerful way, that children's ministry. All those are things that we prayed for. Do I remember, do we remember to thank God for those things? Because if we don't, ingratitude is our default position. Because the first danger of ingratitude is that it can happen to any of us, outside the church and inside the church. The second danger is that it can happen when we're not even looking. What do I mean by this? Well, if you ever thought people should be grateful, it's these people in this passage, for at least a couple reasons. First of all, the timing. I mean, they're starting to walk away from Jesus. Jesus tells them to go see the priest. They're on their way walking away. They begin to see themselves healed of this skin condition. They're not that far away. You'd think they could just walk back and say, thank you. Or consider the significance even more than the timing. Their body was completely healed. They were allowed to be in relationship again with family, and with community. Yet despite all of that, they just didn't think to thank God. Why? Well, I think there's a clue in a word that's repeated twice in this passage. Look with me. First at verse 14. It says, when he saw, when Jesus saw them, he saw their need. He was fully aware of what it was and that they needed his help if they were going to be able to have any sort of healing. But then see where that word returns again in verse 15. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed. Jesus later on in verse 19 says that it was his faith that made him well. He had eyes of faith. He really saw what God had done for him. He was able to look again at what had happened. Because if we're not seeing, if we're not looking again, 
we're going to miss out on so many things that we have to be thankful for, that we can be grateful for. Now, some of you might ask, kind of in an objection, well, I'm happy to thank God for what he's done. But he hasn't done what I've been asking him to do. I have unmet prayer requests. I have things I've asked him to do. Is he forcing me to say thank you when he hasn't done what I've asked him to do? We should probably say at least a couple things to that. First, that's a sacred question that I don't want to remove. It's a question that's all throughout the scriptures, in particular in the book of Psalms, as as God's people pray to him and just say, what's going on? Psalm 73, just reading about just what's happening in our world. Why is my life so bad and other people who don't even care about you, their life seems so good? That's an important question to ask. But it should also be said that Jesus here isn't trying to say, you have to give thanks. He's not trying to, this passage in Luke's point isn't, give thanks, I'm demanding it from you. Actually, Jesus is inviting you to give thanks to him rather than demanding it. And we'll say more about that in a little bit. But one thing I want us to see is that even today, researchers are beginning to see the value of gratitude, something that the biblical authors knew a long time ago. Again, to quote Emmons, that world's leading researcher. He says, gratitude is foundational to well-being and mental health throughout the lifespan. From childhood to old age, accumulating evidence documents the wide array of psychological, physical, and relational benefits associated with gratitude. Gratitude, giving thanks, is a good thing for humans. Looking again at all we have to be thankful for is a really helpful thing for us. So when we see Jesus inviting us to give thanks, even amidst those bad things in our life that haven't gone away, he's asking us to do something that's actually good for us to do. Now you still might say, yeah, but my vision is clouded by these things in my life that are causing me pain and suffering. How am I supposed to look again at at other things when, when there's this big thing? And I think this is where Pastor Keith's sermon from last week really comes into its own because Keith talked about living a life of thanksgiving, of being able to see in all segments of our life all that we have to be thankful for. So even as we see certain things that are causing us pain, there's so many other things that God is inviting us to see in our lives, to look again at. James gets at this idea when he says, every good gift and perfect gift is from above. Every good thing in our lives is actually a gift from God. And we're invited to actually see those things, to look at them and give thanks for them. And in order to do that, we need to look again. We need to look again at things that we've just gotten used to. This is an image where you can see things seem kind of hazy outside of that one panel of a set of glasses. But when you're able to see with certain eyes of faith and look again, things become much more clear. And there's a lot in our lives that we just get used to and they're just in the background that are actually gifts from God and we need to look a second time at those things. Let's just give some examples. In our own families, with your spouse, have you just gotten used to that person who's in your house? Or are you looking again at what a gift that person is to you? 
And not something that you just deserved, but a gift to thank God for. Or when us as parents, when we look at our kids, are we looking again at them through the eyes of faith and seeing them as, as people to give thanks for? As children, are you seeing your parents as people to give thanks for? Am I knowing that the gospel came to me through my parents? Do I continue to thank God for them? We need to look again at some of those things. And this is really important for us if we grew up in the church because sometimes we hear words ad nauseum that, we, that start to just hover in the background and take on a glaze that we don't see. Salvation, redemption, the cross, the Holy Spirit, eternal life, reconciliation with God. At certain times, we can just become so used to those words but we need to look at them again and see them for what they are. Good gifts from God to thank him for, to express gratitude for. Now you might say, well, it's easier said than done. I mean, how do you actually do that? How do you take these things that are constantly surrounding us and see them with new eyes? And I want to go back to Eric's sermon about practiced remembering. I really think there's value in a rhythm of remembrance by which you can actually list out either through writing or through word, what you're thankful to God for. I came across one way a person does this, uh, a local author and pastor named J.R. Briggs. He wrote about a practice he takes part in where every day he will write down five things that he's thankful for that God has done. But what I really love about what he does is he tries to end every sentence with something like this. God, you didn't have to do that for me. Or, God, not everyone has that. Because we can sometimes, you know, we have these prayers that we kind of say the same thing over and over again. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. Thank you for this. But we're not even thinking about it. But if we tell God why we're thankful, God, we're thankful. You know, I just had uh, an operation. And my dad, you know, came up repeatedly to see me and to buy me lunch and to hang out with me. And I realized, like, I could just get used to that, or I could say, God, thank you for him. Not everyone has a dad who would do that. Or when I think about our church, and I think about the fact that it really is a family and not just a church, and so many people who check in with me and helped me, do I say, God, not everyone has a church like this. Am I looking again at the things in my life and taking opportunities to give thanks Because there's the danger that if we don't, if we don't look again, we can be ungrateful because it happens when we're not even looking. Those are the two dangers I've wanted to focus on first. It's a danger because it happens to any of us. It can't happen to any of us. It can happen when we're not even looking and because we're not really looking with the eyes of faith at all God has done for us. He's inviting us to look again. But there's a third danger, and it's the most significant danger about ingratitude. And it's this. It's that it can lead us away from Jesus. Look at verse 14 with me. It says, when he saw them, when Jesus saw them, he said to them, go and show yourself to the, show yourselves to the priests. That's a little strange, isn't it? Like, why didn't Jesus just say, go, be healed? He's done, he did that in other situations. He could have done that. Well, Jesus is referring to Leviticus 14 in the Jewish law, God's law to the people of Israel. It basically says, if you might be experiencing a cleansing, go to the priest. And the priest is going to check you out and determine whether you're safe to reenter society. 
the priest was sort of an ancient public health inspector there to, be, to ensure public safety. So Jesus is saying, go ahead and do this. So they all started walking in that direction. But as we've already seen, only one returns. The rest of them keep on walking even after they see that they've been cleansed. They're not led back to Jesus. They're led away from Jesus, which begs the question, through their ingratitude, what were they led to? We know the one was led by his gratitude back to Jesus. Where are we led to in our ingratitude? Because it's not to Jesus. And there's at least, the text doesn't tell us, but we can make a couple educated guesses about these nine people based on what we know about the human experience. One thing is they could have been kind of, you could say, led to themselves. By which I mean led to give credit to themselves for what's going on more than giving credit to Jesus and thanking him for what he did. Maybe some of them just thought, what a coincidence. I'm what he, all he told me to do is go to the priest and, wow, like, I'm healed. Or, you know, maybe they went and just thought, yeah, it was pretty wise to go to that guy. We were all pretty smart to go back to Jesus. We had heard some good things. Or, man, the way we kind of buttered him up and said, hey, master, we were really smart. Maybe they just gave themselves the credit for what was going on. How many of us have good in our lives and we kind of give ourselves the credit? Maybe I deserved this. I came across a quote from Abraham Lincoln. Lincoln, you may know, was the president that made Thanksgiving a federal holiday in 1863. And Lincoln's remarks were these, and he's speaking about the American people, not necessarily the church. This is what Lincoln says. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation ever has grown. But we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. What's Lincoln saying? He's saying we as Americans can find ourselves experiencing good things that are really gifts, and we give ourselves the credit. We don't thank God for them. We thank ourselves for them because we were just so smart. And this can happen in our day-to-day lives. I mean, I had a situation not too long ago where I was reading in the book of Proverbs, a gentle answer turns away wrath. And then I was in a situation that required me to give a gentle answer. And it went well. And my first thought was, I'm pretty good at this whole conflict thing. (laughs) You know, like, I knew just, yeah, a gentle answer, don't be harsh back. It didn't even occur to me, wait a minute, you didn't make up this idea. You read this in Proverbs, like, two days earlier. This is God, like, Who knows what I'd be doing if I did not have the wisdom of Scripture, which I disobey frequently, to shape what seems right and good and leads to human flourishing? Where would any of us be? Do we thank God for those things? Or do we assume, oh, this is us. This is our smarts, our wisdom. And sometimes uh, I think we need to realize that even when we're doing good, even when we're working hard, that really it's still God working through us. We just got done in our discovery class looking at the life of Paul. And I remember coming to this line of Paul's who was comparing himself to other ministry leaders. And he said, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. 
Paul knew that even though he had been prepared for ministry, even though he had done so much, given his life for it, that at the end of the day, all of it was God working through him. So let's watch out for that danger of being led away from Jesus by giving ourselves thanks for things that ultimately are gifts from him, which is all good things, as James said. But the second way we can be led away from Jesus is maybe we're just led towards the gift rather than the giver. I can imagine some of these people, when they were healed, were just so excited about being cleansed, so excited about being able to be back with family and their community, that they didn't even think to give thanks to Jesus because they were just so focused on this good thing in their lives. This happened to me not so long ago in our life group. We share prayer requests, and one of the people in our life group is saying, hey, I'm just praying that this one opportunity, this one benefit in my job could come out, that my employer would grant this to me. We were praying for it. Well, our text thread showed that it came through. I didn't think to thank God for that. I just said, I'm so happy for you. This is so great. And then another person from our life group texted in the thread, praise Jesus. Not in a Christianese sort of way, but just a really authentic way. And I thought, oh, right. I th- we prayed for this. Have I acknowledged that, Jesus, you answered this prayer for us? Thank you. You know, that's something that we can be grateful for. We need to watch out for this temptation to just be led towards the gift itself, as good as the gift is. Now, you might ask yourself, is Jesus that petty? Is Jesus so petty that he can't just allow us to enjoy the good thing, but we have to immediately give thanks to him? Is that what this passage tells us? Well, on the one hand, I do think as the giver of all good things, Jesus does deserve our thanks. It's just good and right to give him thanks. At the same time, on the other hand, Jesus here, he he isn't demanding our thanks. He doesn't need our thanks. He is inviting us to thank him because it leads us towards him. And what he wants, most of all, is a relationship with us. Think about it. Jesus didn't heal these people because it benefited him. He knew before he healed them that nine weren't going to say thank you. He knew before he gave himself on the cross for us that so many of us will receive gifts for him, gifts from him, and never thank him, but he still gives them himself for us. Paul said, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus isn't doing good for us so that we'll thank him. But he invites us to give thanks to him because it's good for us and it leads us back to him in a relationship. So as you think of this warning of ingratitude, of the danger of ingratitude, as you think about the fact that it can happen to any of us, when you think about the fact that really it can happen when we're not looking and it can lead us away from him, don't hear this as this stern warning. Hear this as a warning of love from Jesus inviting us to look again at all the good in our lives, knowing as research shows, it's going to be actually good for our own mental health, but also it will drive us back to Jesus over and over again and give us joy. C.S. Lewis talked about the fact that thanks and praise always come after joy. We don't thank and praise God for things that we don't like and aren't good for us. A life of thanksgiving is a life lived seeing all the gifts we have in our lives and bringing them back to Jesus. And this afternoon, or actually just after, at 11 o'clock, 
we're going to go here for a Thanksgiving luncheon right next door in the gym. And my hope is that we would all be looking again at what in our lives, what in our church can we be thanking God for and telling each other about. On Thursday, when you're with your loved ones and you're celebrating Thanksgiving, are you looking again at all the things you have to be thankful for, seeing it as an opportunity to be driven back to Jesus through thanks? That's my hope for us as a church. Let's pray. Father, we confess there's a lot that we do not thank you for. There are so many things on a daily basis that are gifts that we see, but we don't really see. Through your spirit, empower us to look again with the eyes of faith to see, not because we have to, but because we get to. It's an opportunity to see you for who you are, the giver of all good things. Help us as a church to have a spiritual memory, to remember all the good that you have done for us in the past and allow that to fuel us, to have faith for all that you will do for us in the future. Help us in our day-to-day lives to develop these rhythms of remembrance, to be able to regularly thank you for what you've given to us. We ask that you would guard us from ingratitude. It's so easy. It can happen when we're not looking. It can just happen by default. So please guard us from ourselves and those hearts of ingratitude and use our church to be a church that's known for its gratefulness and is therefore a light to our community and a world that needs to hear all that you, God, have done for them through Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.